Pastor Xavier Reese explains how the provision of grace overpowers the dominance of sin. The grace of God through the provisions of Christ provides the power to obey the new nature. No more excuses. Don't point to your race, to your culture. Well, I'm Italian, I'm Mexican. Well, that's your problem. You can't use it in heaven. It's called sin nature. That's what it is. Crucify the old man. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. Do you not know that to whom you present yourself slaves to obey, you are that one's slaves whom you obey? Paul, in this simple truth from Romans 6, reminds his readers of a very simple principle. You are a slave of whoever you obey. You are a servant of whoever you serve. If you were to serve sin, then you would be sin's servant. If you serve God, you are God's servant. But coming up in our continuing study series in the book of Romans, Pastor Xavier explains sin nature no longer has the power to reign in the life set free by the cross of Christ. Romans chapter 6, verse 1 through 14, and the message entitled, Deliverance from Sin Nature's Power. Paul now is going to deal with the sanctification of the believer through the new divine nature imparted to him by faith in Christ Jesus. This is where we step into the participation. We're not robots. Now, we must not confuse justification with sanctification. Justification deals with our position before the Father through imputed righteousness based on what Jesus did for us. It's just given to us, okay? We did nothing for that. Sanctification deals with our practice before God through imparted righteousness based on what we are in Christ. Imputed righteousness, what he did for us. Imparted, what we are in him. Justification removes the penalty and guilt of sin through Christ Jesus. Sanctification removes the power and dominion of sin nature through Christ Jesus. Let's begin here, the proclamation regarding our sin nature. Look at verse 1. The Apostle Paul posed the question knowing the mind of those who would reject the grace of God. Notice the question. It's a rhetorical one. Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? The question is whether the believer is to continue, which means to abide or to persist habitually in the life dominated by sin nature. The response is exclamatory and emphatic in the negative. Certainly not. Perish the thought. By no means. In no way. God forbid. Certainly not. Are you kidding me? Notice the statement that follows is another rhetorical question to reject such a ludicrous idea. How shall we, who died to sin, live any longer in it? The obvious answer is no. Now look at verse 3. The Apostle Paul stated the common knowledge of a Christian. Or do you not know that as many of us as were baptized into Christ were baptized into his death? The common knowledge is presented in a question. In other words, you don't grasp the significance of the implication. Now, look at verse 4. The Apostle Paul stated the obvious conclusion of a Christian. Therefore, we were buried with him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in the newness of life. 
The teaching is a comparison. Listen to the phrase. Just as Christ was raised by the Father's power, so the believer can walk in the newness of life by the very same power. The very same power that raised Jesus is the same power that allows me to walk in that new sphere. Verse 5, the believer is united one with Christ. For if we have been united together in the likeness of his death, certainly we also shall be in the likeness of his resurrection. No longer being slaves to sin nature. The old man is synonymous with the old sin nature. And so the proclamation regarding our sin nature is that no longer it has dominion over us. This is the proclamation. Secondly, comes verse 8 through 11. The exhortation regarding our sin nature. Look at verse 8. The Apostle Paul declared the believer is alive with Christ. If we die with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him. The believer died with Christ by faith when he or she recognized that they were sinners under the wrath of God. When he or she repented and believed by faith in the only provision for justification, Jesus Christ, that's when it happened. The death of the believer again is with Christ to sin nature, okay? The believer also then shall live with Jesus, he says here, united with Christ from the point of faith and repentance forward in life by the power of God. The long-term implication, of course, would be eternal life, but God's not worried about our conduct there. He's worried about it here, (laughs) all right? Now, notice 9. The Apostle Paul declared that death has no claim on Jesus due to the resurrection. Knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, dies no more, death no longer has dominion over him. The power of death was broken. Paul declared the death of Jesus was efficacious. Listen, over sin nature. Jesus died on the cross for our sins. That is why death had a claim on him. And he indeed died for the death that he died. The law demanded perfection. Sin is punished by death. The law exerted the demands upon Jesus because he became sin. He paid the penalty for our sins, death. Romans 3.25, 1 John 2.2, the propitiation, the payment to satisfy, meet the demands of the law. He literally died. Not only did Jesus die for our sins once and for all, but he also destroyed the potential dominion and power of sin nature over fallen man if they repent. He said on the cross, it is finished. The justified sinner would not have to live as a slave to sin nature. All of us have experienced that by the grace of God. What a difference he has made in our life. Now look at 10 still. Jesus at the present is living to God. But the life that he lives, he lives to God. Jesus is sitting at the right hand of the Father. We have it all over. Book of Acts, chapter 2, verse 23, 531. The book of Hebrews is just all over, quoting Psalm 1101. Hebrews 1, 3, 13, and many, many more. The right hand, that's where he's at. The apostle Paul declared the believer is to appropriate this benefit 
accomplished by Jesus through his death on the cross, listen, to walk in the newness of life. Paul, by using the word likeness, means in the same manner after the same order or example. He was raised by the power of God, right? And now he is living to God. So the command is twofold. There in verse 11, the believer is to reckon himself to be dead indeed to sin nature. You also reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin. Now see, if you don't interpret it right, sin nature, you think it's a sin, right? It's sin nature. The phrase, you also reckon, is emphatic in the Greek. And it means to consider, to put one's account, it is a word of faith. The word has been used in chapter 4, if you remember, to identify the faith of Abraham that was accounted to him for righteousness before God to be accepted 14 times. We have to reckon. We have to account the work of Christ efficient for the new life. The believers reckon and is reckoning the old man and the old sin nature here dead by faith based on what Jesus has done for me. But now I'm a participant because now I'm justified. So now I have to appropriate the power and the benefits of this new life in Christ Jesus. The death of Christ removes the penalty of sin while the resurrected life of Christ removes the power of sin nature. Look at the end of verse 11. The believer is to reckon himself alive then to God. So you go from dead to alive. Okay? It's like putting off dirty clothes, putting on clean clothes. Okay? They don't just fall off by themselves. You take them off, you put new ones on. Okay? The power of the gospel makes sinners alive from the dead. Listen to Paul, Ephesians 2, 4 through 7. But God who is rich in mercy because of his great love in which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised up together and made us to sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. What a blessing. Colossians 2, 13 through 14. And you being dead in your trespasses and uncircumcision of your flesh, he has made alive together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses, having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us, which was contrary to us, and he has taken out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. Grace. The believer understands physical death ushers him before the presence of God. What a joy and what a promise we have. Jesus tasted death for every man, Hebrews 2.14 says. Jesus destroyed the birth pangs of death as he was, it was not possible that it should hold him. Peter declared that in the day of Pentecost, Acts 2.24. 1 Corinthians 15.55-56 speaks of death. Where is your sting? Oh, great, where is your victory? Jesus holds the keys of hell and death, Revelation 1.18. In fact, Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians 5, 1 through 8, but I'm going to just give you verse 1 and 8, that the minute we die, we're instantly present. We're never found naked. You need to understand this. You don't die and then pick a number that says 1 trillion, 200 million, 100 billion, and get in line. No. Listen. For we know that if our earthly house 
of this tent is destroyed. We have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. And then verse 8 says, We are confident, yes, well pleased rather, to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. The minute you die, you are instantly present before the Lord. You don't sleep. You don't get in line. You are with the Lord. Now, the believer owes all of this to Jesus Christ. Ephesians 1, 3 through 4 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. Paul told the Corinthians, But of him you are in Christ Jesus, who became for us wisdom, from God and righteousness and sanctification and redemption that as it is written, he who glories, let him glory in the Lord. 1 Corinthians 1, 30 through 31. Jesus sanctified us through his body. Hebrews 10, 10 and 14 tells us. Set apart. That's what sanctification is. By this new divine nature. The believer must live life in the spirit in contrast to the flesh. Ephesians 5.18 says, And do not be drunk with wine, which is in dissipation, but be you filled with the Spirit as a continuous act of keep on keeping on. If you don't walk in the Spirit, you will walk in the flesh. Jesus demonstrated the ability of every believer to live above the dominion of sin nature as he depended on prayer, the Holy Spirit, and the Word of God as he was driven by the Spirit to the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. Prayer, the filling of the Spirit, the word of God. There's your weapons, Christians. Nothing else will work. Paul said, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I have been crucified when I repented. Now I continue to crucify the old man daily. That's my part by the Spirit of God. You understand? He justified me. Now he has sanctified me. He did everything to save me. Now I've got my part in salvation. I'm not neutral. I'm not a robot. The exhortation regarding our sin nature is that Christ has made it all possible by a new nature to live to God. Notice thirdly, now he makes the application regarding our sin nature, 12 through 14. In 12, the apostle declared the believer is to yield or not to yield or cater to his sin nature any longer. You say, man, doesn't he say the same? No, he's not. It's a progressive argument. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body that you should obey it in what? It's lust. Paul comes to the only obvious conclusion. The word therefore is a concluding term as we've seen often. One might say, accordingly and consequently of these things being so, this is the only thing you can conclude. Look at verse 4. In view of the fact that we were buried with Jesus through baptism and death, that just as Jesus was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in the newness of life. And then go to verse 11. In view of the fact that we are to reckon ourselves to be dead indeed to sin nature, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord in our new nature, therefore, here's 12. Therefore, we are to not let sin nature reign in our mortal bodies to obey it in its last. You can't conclude nothing else. So Paul presents the old sin nature as the ruling king over the mortal body. Ruling king over this body. 
The command is in the imperative to not obey the old sin nature. Listen, in its lust. The word obey, hupakuo, means to listen and hearken. Somebody says something, you go, yeah, you respond. The word lust is in the plural. It means desires, cravings that are forbidden by God out of the proper design and purpose that God has given. 38 times in the New Testament. Now, usually we associate lust with sex. It's not always sex. Coveting. Anger. Strong desires that rule us, that destroy us and others. The sin nature is ever-present in our lives along with the new nature. We have two natures. We have two citizenships, here and in heaven. (laughs) Sin nature can only operate if I allow it. Sin nature desires to reign supremely as king. Sin nature is manifested in and through my body if I let it. The source of our sin nature is our hearts evil, desperately wicked, Jeremiah 79. My eyes are the windows of my soul. My ears are the speakers of my soul. So I have to be careful what I see, what I hear. Notice 13. The Apostle Paul declared the believer is not to yield any part of his body to be the vehicle of sin nature. Paul clearly implies that the believer has the capacity to disobey God's will. Still. You get it? If we didn't, there's no need for the command. And do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin. Our free will must be exercised to not present or yield our body members as instruments and acts of deeds or sins of unrighteousness. Paul clearly implies also that the believer has the capacity to obey God. But present yourselves to God as being alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. The word present is an imperative again. The believer is not to yield to sin nature but to God because he can, being alive from the dead. The request is not unreasonable. We can do such an incredible, incredible destructive force against sin by the new divine nature. Wow. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under law, but under grace. That's how he ended last chapter. He comes here, full circle. Paul says sin nature has no dominion over a Christian. The word dominion means to be Lord, to have power over. The word appears two times. Verse 9 at the end there, for Christ, death no longer has dominion over him. And then in our text, for sin nature having no dominion over us. Why? Because he accomplished all this for us. Paul says sin nature has been made inoperative by the work of Christ. The law demands perfect obedience but does not empower a person to obey. The law says don't trespass, but it can't give you the ability to do it. In fact, it'll provoke you to do it. It'll tempt you to do it. When you leave here, you're going to get on the freeway. It says 65. You're going to push it. You're going to go 67, 70, 75. Very, very few of us will go 64. The grace of God through the provisions of Christ provides the power to obey the new nature. Our doing is based on what God has done for us. Paul says sin nature is not more powerful than grace the grace of God to overcome it. Grace is much more powerful. 
Some people think that God has asked them to slow down in their sinning. Some of you have heard the illustration. It's so good, I, I have to use it. Of that young man who's driving his car down south and the old good old boy sheriff's up in the hill under an oak tree and he's checking down the, and there's a T on the highway. Big trucks come by, the 18-wheelers, and, and he's flying down there and he's looking to the right and the left and sees no truck, so he just rips up the stop sign. So the good old sheriff puts his light on, takes off after him, and then the young man sees the thing. He's getting all freaked out, and he pulls over, and the sheriff walks out and puts his hat on. And he says, boy, let me have your license. He gives him his license. He says, you know what you did? He says, well, you know, uh, there was nobody coming. I looked to the right. I looked to the left. What, what's the difference? He says, get out of the car, boy. The kid started freaking out. He grabbed him on the headlock, proceeded to beat him with his baton as fast as he could repeatedly. He says, now... Do you want me to slow down or stop? <laughs> there is a difference. God has not called you to slow down. He says, you can stop. Is he saying you're perfect? Absolutely not. But you can hit the mark now. Listen, ladies and gentlemen, we are busted. No more excuses. Don't point to your race, to your culture. Well, I'm Italian. I'm Mexican. Well, that's your problem. You can't use it in heaven. It's called sin nature. Crucify the old man. There is no temptation that has overtaken us except that which is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not allow us to be tempted beyond what we are able to bear, but with every temptation show us the way of escape. 1 Corinthians 10, 13. We're busted. Either I don't take the way of escape or I think that I have a better plan. (laughs) Either way, I'm going to fail. Whatever God puts me in, whatever he allows, he will give me the wisdom, the direction, and the ability to be victorious. If I abide in him, if I trust in him, if I walk in the spirit, he gets all the glory for the victory. I get all the credit for the failures. That's the way it is. Can you handle that? (laughs) And I can use no excuse. Can't blame my wife, the dog, my kids, or anybody else. I am accountable to God. And so the application regarding our sin nature is that we not present our bodies for sin nature to reign as king, but rather to God by his grace. Here you have it. The sanctification of the believer from the old sin nature, characterized by the proclamation regarding our sin nature, that it no longer has to have dominion over us. The exhortation regarding our sin nature is that Christ has made it all possible by a new nature to live to God. And the application regarding our sin nature is that we not present our bodies for sin nature to reign as king but rather to God by His grace. Man, Paul just nails us in Romans. Every time, he says what? (laughs) Deliverance from sin nature's power. You know anything about it? Are you living there? Let me tell you, if you don't, you will add to your herd, to your home, to your children, to your life. But it's your choice. You're not a robot. Live at the throne of grace. 
He guarantees He can do more for you than you can do for yourself. Pastor Xavier Reese, applying the simple truths of overcoming the dominance of sin nature by means of the power of the cross to set believers free. Now you can hear this message again if you like online anytime by selecting today's date under the radio tab at calvarychapelpasadena.com. And if you'd like a copy of today's message for further study at your own pace or perhaps a copy to pass on to a friend, it's titled Deliverance from Sin Nature's Power. You can request the CD for just $4. And this will include everything we heard the last time we were together as well. Once again, the title to ask for is Deliverance from Sin Nature's Power or simply mention today's date. You can request your copy by writing Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Again, that's Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And thanks for mentioning the call letters of this station when you get in touch. This helps us track the effectiveness of this ministry in your area. And then join us for more Simple Truths next time with Pastor Xavier Reese. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. www.calvarychapelpasadena.com 